0: Hi everybody. Jesus, what a day. What a day. How are you doing? My name is Luke Thomas and this is episode 90 of my live chat. I look like balls because I've just been lifting in my front yard. I have, sorry about that. I always do it right before the live chat. I come on here looking like ass, but I don't really have much of a choice because it's kind of what my life is at this point. Um, let's see. The date is the 7th of October, 2021. We'll go for about an hour and some change. Last week we had an issue with the Super Chat, which was I couldn't see some of them in the module that they had updated. It's a different one than I had previously, but I think I found a workaround for it. So, if you'd like to get to the Super Chat, you certainly may We'll get to that at the end of about an hour or so. Now, there are some people who whose parents uh, smoked while they were pregnant with them who consistently find this criticism that they think is very, it's a very trenchant observation, namely that like, oh, You know, why do you have to pay someone to answer a question? That seems silly, right? Well, for the geniuses that need this explained to them, which I will do, because these are people that need their hand held in life more generally, uh, obviously it's not really for that. I mean, I do a whole hour of free questions. Yes, there is some prioritization of what you might want answered if you do the Super Chat, but it's more of an informal donation, really, to the channel itself. Not that I am broke, but for the channel itself so I can expand operations to make... Uh, bigger and bolder investments in it right you have to keep your businesses separate so that's really what it's for i know that's a hard concept for certain people to understand but most of you seem to get it so thank you very much i appreciate that thumbs up on the video hit subscribe hit subscribe let's drive these numbers i really appreciate when you guys help out with this uh okay all right so with that out of the way let's get this party started shall we All right, there we are. I'm sorry for looking like uh, trash. My goal was never to look like trash, but it just ends up being that way because I'm trying to just fit in everything in my schedule that I can. Used to be a lot easier, now it's not so easy. So, I apologize for that. Um, Okay, as always I put up a thread on the community tab on my website or for the, the channel, youtube.com slash Thomas, You go into the community tab, you look there, and then everything there is as needed. Okay, let's do this. I'll turn off the subscribe window, there we go. Okay, uh, from Will, he asks, Luke, how do you see the final four of Gaethje, Poirier, Chandler, and Olivera playing out? Who do you see as the champ fighting for the lightweight strap this time next year? I have slept on Olivera, so I've been wrong about him a few times, so take that for what it is worth, but my feeling now, this could change, my feeling now is we're going to get a Poirier and Gaethje rematch, and I'm not exactly sure how that one goes, Um, the reason why I say that is because I think Olivera is just incredibly talented with his stand-up, but I think a guy like What's going to make a big difference is um, it's not so much that I think Poirier is more skilled, although in certain areas I do think he is more skilled, but rather that the skill sets, they're both pretty formidable customers. It's just that uh, Poirier has proven to be much more durable. Now, that itself has a shelf life, as we all know, but nevertheless, um, I think that will give him a little bit more chance to make an impact over time. That's the first thing I'd say. Obviously, Olivera can snatch a neck or find the back, or even with a stand-up. Now he can do dramatic things, but I tend to think that Oliver so that that Poirier has got good submission defense, makes good choices about what kinds of offense to employ at certain parts of the fight, and is quite durable. I think that will make a bit of a difference. Same kind of thing over with Gaethje and Chandler. I think Chandler has the capacity when he's on to beat anybody really, uh, but there are some durability questions as well with him. I, you know, he's 34 years old. He's not spring chicken anymore. And Gechi certainly again that that uh, the durability question with him will be if he stays around long enough will become a question you have to ask about him as well. But so far has shown um, that he is not quite as uh, uh, damaged um, in terms of like showing the signs of it uh, as as I think uh, Chandler is. Again, I don't. These are just my hunches. So. Then you get a Poirier, and then you get a Gaethje rematch. But this is where it kind of falls apart for me. One, you could easily get a Chandler and Oliveira rematch. That's entirely possible. But more to the point, even if you get Gaethje and Poirier, I want to see how Poirier looks, and I definitely want to see how Gaethje looks so that we can make a better determination about what the rematch might mean. Because the first time was sort of, you know, Gaethje 1.0. What does Gaethje 2.0 do against Poirier? That would be, or Oliveira, whatever it ends up being. That'd be pretty interesting. But, you know, these four guys are very, 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 very good. Any permutation there seems quite plausible and reasonable to conclude. So, those are just mine. Everyone always talks about how much John Jones lost due to his out-of-the-cage problems, but how much do you think the sport lost? Having one dominant guy who was undefeated and could be labeled as clearly as the best... Uh, could have brought in a whole new demographic of fans in the same way Floyd did in, in boxing. I'm not sure if Floyd brought in a ton of new fans other than he got what was there to like him. It's a little bit different. Um, and also, you know, boxing was well established by the time Floyd was competing. MMA was still, you know, John fought pre-UFC 100, right? So, long time ago. Um... In terms of the Mayweather comparison, I think it falls apart. But in terms of the, the sort of the question more generally, which is, what could a guy who have stayed undefeated have done? First of all, like John, I don't think forget his current woes for just a second. Just talking about the sport itself, uh, I don't know that he ever maximized his technical potential, and I definitely don't think he maximized his box office potential. Now as I've explained a number of times, we've talked about this on Morning Combat and MMA Beat and everywhere else. Everyone thinks either you sell a million or you don't. Like, that's the dividing line between success and not success. And it doesn't really work that way. There's a handful of people who can sell a million pay-per-view buys. John is not really one of them by himself. With the right partner, he can obviously do some big business. But by himself, you know, where he's the much more popular than the challenger or the B-side, so to speak, He's good for four to potentially five hundred thousand. Now that is still a lot. It is still that's a you're you're making solid, solid bank doing that. But it doesn't meet that sort of uh, I won't say arbitrary, but the the arbitrariness with which one million is held as like the gold standard. Uh, He can't meet that, but he can meet other ones. But I I tend to think if he had just kept going, um, without all that time lost, assuming he could have maintained. The greatness, which is a major assumption, but still assuming that you know, could he be that guy who could sell a million? Could he be something transcendent? You know, because he was sponsored by Nike for a time, and there's debates about what, I should say, conflicting reports rather about how much that was actually worth. But it was just, it just signified something that no one else in the game could do. Maybe Saint Pierre had the had the Gatorade and the and the Under Armour Canadian deal, um, but there was just a lot of possibility with John that just was lost commercially from all the time. In terms of um, what he could have achieved, that part's a little harder to know because he took a lot of breaks. Like, even if he had not been in trouble with the law or with anti-doping authorities, there was just a question of what kind of training he was doing in the offseason. Now that's not so much the issue as I understand it. But back then, you know, he would do what like senior level boxers would do, like guys at the end of their run, which is, you know, kind of just train during camp and not really... 24-7, Twenty four seven, three sixty five, 7 365, which most MMA fighters do. You know, I tend to, th- I mean, it's just hard to explain to you. Like, he came around, like, light heavyweight is obviously not what it used to be. But when he was there at light heavyweight, dude, it was just the, sp- it was the division, or at least right after he came. He was in that transition. He was the transition. Dude, light heavyweight was the division of kings, you know. Back in the day, UFC had, like, Vitor and Tito and Chuck and Randy and, Pride had Vanderlei and Arona and um, uh, a Rampage and like all different kinds of names and some went back and forth obviously most of them made their way over but like there was a time man where light heavyweight you could swing a dead cat and hit an all-time great it was just unbelievable how much talent there was in that division at that time and he came through and just fucking dusted these guys. There's an argument that he got them a little bit later than their prime, which there is a lot of truth to that. But then he got people who were young, and he smoked them, and then he got people who were, you know, it was that was the night of their lives, and he beat them. Like you know, it, it, he he could do it all. Could he have? Could he have kept building on that? I I, I really wonder. Um, he could have been someone with a record that I think he already does have a pretty impressive record. But if you take out the infractions. What else could he have achieved? I think he could have set a benchmark that like, you know, Brady level, you know, seven Super Bowls, whatever the MMA equivalent of that would be. I think he he would have been a candidate for it, you know, but I mean, how much time did he lose? Like when was, let me see here for just a second. Like he got started so young, you don't really feel the full weight of that, but how much time did he lose when he was just fucking around all the time? So, let's see, he fought one, two, three, four times in 2011, one, two times in 2012, two times in 2013, once in 2014, this is where the problems start, once in 2015, uh, or actually, that's when the problems all start, um, once in 2016, once in 2017, once in 2018, good Lord, twice in 2019, then once in 2020, he hasn't fought since basically the pandemic. I mean, right there, 2014, 2015 is where everything starts to come apart, you know. Um, before that, he was keeping a very active, regular, and, and impressive schedule, and just the names he was bulldozing was, it was just shocking, you know. Uh, he could have done something, I mean, his, again, you know, to be 26-1 and won, won no contest or whatever it is with Cormier the second time, um, it's, it's, it's extremely impressive, but y- y- he, I think he could have gotten to a level that was basically untouchable if he had stayed. All right. I knew this was going to happen, so let's see what the question is here. Brendan Schaub is once again lashing out at the MMA media, albeit providing a special dispensation for Joe Rogan by perpetuating the idea that their insight and analysis is somehow invalid unless they have fought in the cage. How do you feel about having the work you and BC do constantly undermined in that way? Um, Okay, a couple things. First of all, I don't think Brendan actually thinks that. He might think that about certain people, but I don't think there's any real reason for me to assume that he is transferring that opinion to me. I know what he thinks of me. He's told it to my face on a number of occasions. And so, um, you know, I think he was using a broad brush of MMA media to attack certain people. I don't think those attacks are fair either, per se, but... I, you're asking, do I think he's undermining my work at, at, at uh, Morning Combat? No, I don't. I don't really worry about that in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I don't think Morning Combat exists without Brendan Schaub, quite frankly. Um, and I think that's true. BC has sort of a different view on it, but it was Brendan who told the, the top folks at digital to take a look at me in a very full-throated way, and it was only after those discussions that I get a meeting. And then once I got those meetings, then it was off to the races, so like... How does MK happen without Brendan Shop? Okay, but here's the deal. Everybody wants me to weigh in on this. I mean, my DMs are full. I'm getting emails about it left and right. Guys, you have to understand my position. Or at least I'm going to ask you to understand my position, really. Which is, every time Brendan does something that various parties don't like, they come to the live chat or they hit me up and they ask me, won't you just please slander him? No, I won't. No, I won't. I just can't. I just can't. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't do it. I can't. I can't get on here and talk shit about a guy, who. Um, <laughs> I think if you guys had lived through my career, and how many times, you know, the door just got slammed in it. And then somebody comes along and it doesn't really do anything for them. It doesn't materially change their position in the company. They have no reason to drop down the ladder to then for me to go around and then weigh in on some dispute he's having with somebody else. Um, I just can't. I, it's, be, it's just too disloyal. I can't. I'm just not built that way. I'm just I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I can't get on here uh and get after him I I mean privately there might be some things I say one way or the other you know to him about this but I just don't I don't have the constitution to come on here and do that I don't have it I don't have it in me and I after what almost three years of not talking I just repaired things with Ariel you want me to want me to blow that up just by weighing in and then getting involved in this you know potentially jeopardizing that I'm not even saying I would What I would say would necessarily go that way But one way or the other You're going to piss off Brendan You're going to piss off Ariel Why the fuck would I want to do that? (laughs) I just got done Repairing things on one side And I've got another guy on another side Who is You know More than anybody else Responsible for the current state of the things I'm enjoying Like why the fuck Would I do that? It just doesn't seem very prudent, quite frankly. It doesn't seem very wise. It doesn't seem very smart. And I don't really have a desire to do that. Listen, my, my position has been consistent. If you guys want to criticize him or anybody else that has a platform that says things that could invite criticism, dude, I'm not here to police anybody's speech. I'm not here to stop anyone's opinions. I'm not here to say... People shouldn't express them. Say whatever the fuck you want to say, dude. I'm not in any way going to police it. I just can't get on here. I can't do it, man. After so many times, people have just fucked me over, over, and over, and over, and over again. I can't do it to him, dude. I just can't. And I won't. You know? I mean, it would have to get, like, you know, he would have to do something, like, alarmingly criminal for me to switch that. But, you know, just having a dispute... Okay, just having a dispute would be um, for me to weigh in would just be absurd. It would be absurd, dude. These are two grown men that both make a lot of money, <laughs> that both are doing quite well for themselves. Um, they're allowed they're allowed to have that dispute without my interference or interjection. Uh, if Ariel wants to do that, he can. If Brendan wants to do that, he can't. I, I just, dude, I'm not gonna do it, man. And I know, you know. I could prostitute those things, and I could get on here, and I could get a fuck ton of clicks on this, and it'd be re-shared a thousand ways by coming in here and with fire and brimstone and letting the world be known. Dude, uh, uh-uh. uh, uh. Listen, I'm not afraid of conflict. Like when Chael put out that video, I decided a, a, a formal big response was owed, and then I mounted one. And I feel very strongly that I I made a strong account of myself. And he and I eventually we worked out our differences. It was fine. You know, it's not that I'm afraid of that, but, like, there needs to be a really good reason for me to interject and intervene, and I don't see one. I don't see one. Um, Let them handle it, and please stop asking me. (laughs) Listen, if they find that Brendan was, you know, doing some Bernie Madoff shit, okay. Well, then you gotta just, you know, you gotta say what you gotta say, but for two guys having a dispute, like... I, I just I, I really feel like If you guys lived In my shoes And you understood um, My career In the way that I understand it From the position That I've lived it It would just be Borderline impossible For me to get on here And say nasty things uh, Frankly about either guy At this point But certainly for Brendan You know I just can't Folks I just can't I can't do it I can't do it And if you want to Hold it against me man, Hold it against me you know, if you want to maybe be mad at me for doing that, then be. Then I, again, I'm not going to curb your speech. Everyone has a right to say what they want to say. But um, I feel like it's probably better for me to let them handle it and let me focus in on my life. And uh, you know, if Brendan asks me what he thinks off the record, I will tell him. Same with Ariel. If Ariel asks me what I think off the record, I will tell him. But I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to publicly weigh in in some kind of way to. You know, a make this all about me, and b you know these are, in some cases, fragile, and in either case, important alliances to keep, and not just for strategic ends, but for you know for doing the right thing by people you have relationships with. Switzerland up in this bitch. All right, and I'm sorry if that's disappointing. I re- I truly am. I'm am sorry if it's disappointing, but I can't, man, I can't do it. Uh, I've noticed sometimes that when fighters get KO, they tend to want to fight again relatively soon. But when fighters lose a decision that was completely one-sided, they tend to take longer breaks. Examples would be Ortega and Cater after the Max fights. Do you think there's any truth to the assumption that these five-round beatdowns have a bigger mental impact on oneself than a typical KO? Yeah, fuck Yeah. Dude, it's bad to get KO'd. It's much worse to get beaten down over long lengths of time. Dude, I will go back to it. I will keep talking about it. The quintessential one that I never saw coming until it happened, and then I lived through the aftermath. I always go back to it. And it wasn't like, you know, they, they don't, like, stop being successful overnight. Um, in fact, for Ortega to be as good as he is after the beating that Max gave him is amazing. But, dude, another one like this is just It's just not smart, especially if you're not making the right kind of money, man. It's just terrible. But neither here nor there is Rich Franklin beating David Loazzo. Dude, Loazzo was just mowing through people for a while, and then Rich Franklin didn't just beat him. He beat him round after round after round, and it just didn't end, and it didn't really matter what Loazzo did. And, dude, Loazzo was fucking awesome, man. He could fight, and, and Franklin just went in there and put it on him. Let me turn this up a little bit. Uh, put it on him and he he was never the same he was never the same dude those beatings like that the issue is not the decision versus the 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 stoppage loss being KO'd is bad but if you get flash KO'd by the way if you've never been KO'd before I've been KO'd a couple of times um they don't hurt like that not not in the moment you know uh obviously would depend how bad the concussion is or whatever but like in the moment it's not like being like a body shot is way more painful you don't really feel it it's it's embarrassing and it's disorienting and it causes a lot of, hey, how, how do we get to this moment kind of reflection, but it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't scar your, it didn't, again, I wasn't a pro fighter, but for me, it wasn't as psyche scarring um, as I've seen some other things where like, dude, you get these tough ass guys and then they go in and these, you know, these are tough, these guys are tough in ways you could never imagine yourself being that tough. And then they go through these fucking car crashes. And they do not walk out the same. Even if the injuries physically heal, they are just not... They can't deal with it. Josh Thompson just talked about what happened when he fought Tony Ferguson. Dude, Tony Ferguson in his prime was just mowing through people. And Josh Thompson is a fucking all time great lightweight. I mean that. One of the part of uh the, the best trilogy, maybe in Strike Force history, one of the best trilogies in lightweight history was a strike force champ, dude. Fucking Josh Thompson could fight. Only guy to stop Nate Diaz with strikes. I mean, that dude could put it on you, boy. Let me tell you something. He was good. He was very, 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 very good. He talked about what the fight against um, Ferguson, which I don't think was a five rounder, I think it was a three rounder. I could be wrong, but in any case, you know, he was kind of competitive in that in, in spots anyway. At least he, you know he didn't back down. He 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 never was the same after that. He even said it didn't like getting hit, didn't like to spar, didn't enjoy it. It's these it's these beatings that just don't end. That's when it really gets to you. It's this it's this torment uh, over time. There's this... <laughs> Speaking of lifting weights, one of the things that they always talk about lifting weights is, especially for hypertrophy, which was sort of another way of calling bodybuilding lifting, is something called time under tension. How much time is uh, the muscle being asked to work, right? Is it a 45-second, you know, uh, where the load is being presented to it, or is it like a five-second thing, right? Time under tension. Dude, time under torture. That's a new one, right? Time under torture. How much time is it where the fight is completely one-sided, Not enough one sided to you get the stoppage because you, right? Here's the thing when you get to these like super elite guys, they have just enough defense and a lot of them have like otherworldly toughness where they're actually pretty hard to put away, but they're not hard to put a lead on for someone else who is also very, very special, right? Styles make fights. So what you end up getting is someone who's very, very special who just takes the other guy or lady, whatever it may be, uh, in case of two ladies fighting, to the fucking woodshed. And they can't stop it. The only thing stops it is the referee or the fucking clock because their constitution won't let them the corner just fucking just lets them go take a beating, which we've been over a thousand times. Dude that will that will mess you up. That will I don't care, I don't give a shit how tough you are. I don't care if you're from the Smash factory. I don't care if you've seen combat. I don't I, that will that will that will change you. Steve Mako how I told you has this famous quote. he did this documentary this is before he ever fought, but it was a similar kind of thing where uh he he was uh he he's controversial cuz he wrestled at Oklahoma State and Iowa at the same well not the same time but in the same collegiate career but there's a documentary i think called like The Season ahead of his uh one of his seasons at Iowa um was it Iowa State? Which one's were the black singlets? I can't even remember anymore but Iowa. And um they asked him like why he liked wrestling and he, his answer was and and you can see this on YouTube it's it's out there. Mako was spelled, I think, M O C C O. He um he was like, you know, not only do I like the winning, but I like it when the winning I like changing people. I think I I said this on Rogan's podcast. I like changing people. I like they come in thinking they're one thing, and then when I'm done with them, they, they don't think that about themselves anymore. Dude, that that's what can happen to you. Not just that the other guy is better in some kind of like grand sense, but like um it can alter your appetite for any of that part of the world. The gym, the sparring, the training, the sweating, the physical exertion, the fighting, the fight week. It will, it will take away your appetite for it like that. So, you know, this is why it's like, oh, you know, all these MMA busybodies trying to get involved in cornering decisions. What do you know? Okay, there's a lot I don't know. Here's what I do know. All of the arguments that they use to keep a fight going none of them reconcile with the consequences when they get it wrong you ever notice that all of the arguments they use to keep a fight going this is a championship fight if i don't it'll be half their money they'll fire me whatever what the fuck does any of that have to do with the consequences of win or lose what happens when this is over what happens when this is over brock lesnar this is a You know, this is a different situation. It's a training situation. But when Cain Velasquez beat Brock Lesnar, you know, both of his shoulders were basically torn. He had to get like um, rotator cuff and labrum surgery. Now, that's not the same kind of issue we're talking about here, but like that was the way he was training. Maybe he was injury prone too. But let's say he was training like a madman. It's like, dude, you can make all the arguments you want about why you have to do that. You better have an argument for what happens when all that is over. And now you have all these injuries. Now you have all these scars. Now what? Now what are we going to do about it? And they never have an answer for it. Because there is no answer. They can't possibly have one other than maybe it won't materialize this time when they when the fight's over. Just <laughs> Okay. This is what they don't realize about media, dude. It's like a lot of media come and go, you know? And there are limits to what we know. I I, I will I will I am I am indebted to the fighters and the corners and the coaches who share their wisdom with me to help me to get a better perspective. But the truth is Dude, I've watched careers begin, peak, and end, and retire, end, or begin, peak, and retire. I've watched them. I've watched them. And the fighters, I'm not going to say come and go, because there will be some when I retire. But I've watched several life cycles go through. Dude, they don't pay any attention to what happens. First of all, they overestimate how often somebody will win doing that. They almost never win. In fact, I can't think of any situation where they've done that in a, in a major bout. And then secondly, um, they don't have any argument for what happens after the fact. Uh, Well, I see what happens after the fact. I have lived it several times. I have watched the life cycle. And let me tell you something, all of these corners that come out and say, well, I had a right to keep that fight going, not one of them thinks about the other end. Uh, Let's see, at 29 years old, turning 30 on the 24th, Considering some of the damage he's taken, the fact that he said he could hire a dietitian and go back to Walterweight, how far do you think Kelvin Gaston could go at 170 if he could even make the weight class anymore? I just don't... It, there has to be a way to get him to 170 safely. There just has to be. And I'm, it probably comes with unenjoyable caloric restriction. Um, but there has to be a way for him to do it. I, I tend to think he could fight for a title at 170. I really do. If he's dialed in, if his weight is on point, if his training is on point, I, I don't know that I would ever see him as the best guy in that weight class. I don't think that's – one never knows. But I definitely – I put him in that top five, even top three space if if he can get his affairs in order. But I don't just think it's a weight issue. I think the weight issue is big. Remember, we talked about Misha Surkinov on um, my other podcast I do on MKMK MK Extra Credit – Whereas like sometimes the weight class is up or down, the changes can be real big, and sometimes you don't really know what they get out of it. The weight class change here, you know what he would get out of it. And the other part, though, is there's a game evolution that I think has to happen. There's a lot of things that he does at distance um, in terms of the dyna- dynamism of his attacks and the concealment of it that I think there's still some development that needs to happen. Um, I don't think it's just a weight class issue. I think the weight class issue is big. But if we're asking about how far that means you're asking about potential and if we're talking about potential i think that there's just a lot of you know i think he's um i think he's in between belts so to speak right you see a lot of guys you know so i've seen guys like race through to get purple belt and sometimes they'll be a purple belt for four years you're like damn dude you're just stuck a purple belt sometimes they hit these plateaus these creative plateaus these these issues where they just can't really get through and then you know, you just keep swinging the axe and then eventually the tree does fall. I, I tend to think there's still some axe swinging that needs to go on besides just the weight class change. But, I, but, dude, here's the other part about it. We never talk about this for weight cutting or anything else. MMA needs more divisions. I'm not saying that's good for business. It's not good for business to have a gazillion weight classes. But, like, dude, if you really want to take care of these guys and put them in a place to be maximally competitive, dude, Kevin Lee needs a 165 division. A guy like... Um, um. Gaslim is a 175 You know they just do uh, I'm not saying that's That's like a panacea for all the problems of MMA But like we really want to take this seriously Talking about every solution Other than that one is disingenuous Look, you have mentioned several times that approaching 40 has made you realize the decay of your athletic potential. Besides the obvious factor of injuries, do you think this sense of decay can be correlated to starting sports at an early age? I ask because I just turned 40 after spending my 20s and 30s being mostly sedentary. I feel like right now I'm on the peak of my athletic potential. I work out almost every day, started at 35. I run and do BJJ <laughs> classes twice a week. It's not much BJJ, though. Can't, I'm not trying to hate. I mean, that's that's two more a week than I do, but... Um, Three to four seems like what you really need, sometimes five. Anyway, I've never been this active, and I'm wondering if it has to do with not having put my body through a lot of stress and wear and tear during my youth. Maybe. That certainly could be. Boy, boy I can tell you I can feel a difference, man. I feel a difference in recovery. I feel a difference. In, dude, you know, I used to leave the gym, like my favorite day when I was 22, right? My favorite day was like chest day, dude, because I could get the sickest pump on my chest and then on my triceps. Dude, I used to get a fucking, I used to walk out of there. I could barely fucking scratch my neck, you know what I mean? And on arm day, which, you know, you're not supposed to do split. I don't do splits like that anymore, but let's just, you know, back in the day I did bro splits. Like every idiot 22-year-old does when they first start lifting weights. And, um, damn, I used to just get, it would be, like, I would get this like euphoria, eufo- like, the, the, the weightlifting equivalent of like runner's high. I would. Just, it would be amazing, dude. I, I don't think I've had one of those in years. <laughs> in I know I'm making progress because I chart my lifts and I see that they're going up and and I and even smaller ones like lateral dumbbell raises or, you know, Arnold presses or whatever. Like I'm charting my progress. They're definitely going up. Um, the weight's coming down. Um, like everything's headed in the right direction, but i just i can't push the same weight i can't recover the same weight i don't get the same pump um i didn't start too too early i don't think it's accumulated injuries i just know what it was like for me to maximize my athleticism which you know was not a dramatic amount but i'm very average in that sense but um I know what it was like to be fucking jacked. I had a first-class PFT when I was in my 20s. First-class physical fitness test in my 20s. Um, And, you know, I remember I'm six foot four, and I could do 14 dead hang pull-ups. I could do all the crunches. I could max out at 100. And I had, uh, I think at the time, maybe just under a 7-minute mile. Like, dude, I could fucking hum. I was moving. You know, even if I could get back to that, which I don't think I can, but even if I could the way I felt at that time, dude, I don't feel like that at all, <laughs> you know, uh, most days I walk out of there being like, I, I. it's just, it's hard, it's really, really hard, you can do it, you can do it, but man, you just can't cut corners, like here's, here's the other part too, I, if, before I would go and like, oh, how much sleep did you get, like five hours, just take fucking three scoops of the pre-workout, and uh, you know stop being a hoe and get under and lift and i could still have a good lift obviously if i slept more if i was well hydrated i would have an even better one but i could still kind of just fudge it and get by dude if i'm not properly hydrated if i don't properly eat at time if i don't eat in the right things i can feel it immediately immediately six sets in i can feel it i can feel it i have to dial those things in so It could be the case that you just never knew what your baseline was, and now you feel so much better. And I'm happy for you. I really am. But having seen, I was pushed to my limits in my 20s. I know what it was like for me to hit them at various stages. And now I'm 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 on the path. I'm on the progress, dude. I'm on the progress. Like everything is. I'm I'm actually kind of proud of how things are going. But like in terms of how I'm feeling, no, 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 Uh no. (laughs) Uh-uh. Not feeling that way. Um all right. Again, questions about your own, Brendan. Just I can't. You know. If you could watch one division for the rest of your life, taking into account how you feel the futures of each division play out, which would it be? It might be Bansomweight, because I think it's got long term I think it's got well, long term longevity is not the right word, but I think it's not just good now to be good for a long time. You just want to go to places that are When I say places, I mean divisions That are just globally talent rich um, That's just going to be lighter guys you know. So you can pick anything 155, 170 and down I feel like is a decent way to go uh, Okay Masvidal and Colby have both suggested they've lost out on, a spons- on sponsorship deals due to their support of Trump. Do you think sponsors should have the right to pull sponsors away based on people's political views? Yes, of course. Even though these political views are considered mainstream, sure. And would the situation and coverage be any different if, they le- if any left-wing fighters had sponsorship deals pulled because of their political views? I would hope not. I mean, dude. Do I think Black Rifle Coffee should be forced to, um, or rather, let's say Black Rifle Coffee uh, was sponsoring Kevin Lee. And then Kevin Lee goes and stumps for Bernie. And then they decide they don't want to support that anymore. Like, you can say that that's shitty. But dude, if they're not in keeping with your values, why the fuck are you giving them money? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like... Do I feel like sponsors should be able to pull their sponsorships based on the people they're sponsoring's uh, espousal of political views, either left or sure, sure? Now, do I also think that it would be a better world if the sponsors had a the kind of relationship with the fighter where you know some of those things, particularly as you're pointing out, like Trump was the president, espousing him as a you know as the uh, he was the official candidate for the a major political party in this country like should that be the kind of thing that gets you sponsorships lost I actually would hope that we would have a situation where those kinds of things wouldn't necessarily cost you that you have a you have a much deeper relationship than just that but dude if you are giving money either way I don't care which way it goes either way to people who don't who are who are espousing a worldview that you think is damaging or and somehow bad for the world why the fuck are you under obligation to give them money no no uh now again this all just goes back to like what the deals say put a clause in there that says what kind of political advocacy is tolerable for both parties and then just live with that or don't but like you know as a general rule dude people should be free to make the associations whatever the association may be that they want i don't you know and and by the way if i'm this you know there's this can keep going like if they had sponsorships and they got pulled because of their support for Trump, and now you don't want to support those brands because you don't like that behavior, dude, by all means, fucking schedule a boycott. Like, I'm not here to stop anybody doing that, but like, I really believe in whatever association you're going to have with people, they should be quite free. And if people you're giving money to no longer support a worldview that you recognize or wish to contribute to, then fucking stop. <laughs> Very simple for me. Luke, you have mentioned that you're under a lot of stress in your life. Would you mind sharing what is causing this? From outside, you have a cool-ass job. I do. You earn a lot more than most. I'm comfortable. And have a nice family. (laughs) Mostly. Uh, It's hard to imagine what could be causing you so much stress that your hair is falling out. Yeah, you know, listen, man. I'm not here to say that, you know. Guys, it's all in your head to a degree, right? I mean, listen, there are people in America that have real problems right, they have real problems, they have money problems, they have family problems, they have work problems that uh, my situation doesn't resemble. You know, I understand that, I understand that. But I've just lived with this kind of neurotic stress all my life, and even if when things get better, what I have found is that I just find a new way to apply it, and sometimes with with good reason. You know, listen, when you make, uh, I make good money, but my tax bill, partly because I live in the city and partly because of the income bracket I'm in, I'll just be honest, is punishing it's just you cannot believe how much money they take from me in taxes everyone's like that to a degree but it's extraordinary so like i literally have to set aside like a ton of money every month just to get that obviously my child is extremely dude i don't live rich i have a 2015 mazda that's sitting out there i it's the best i can do really um but i am quite comfortable the point being is it just it goes inside your head a little bit like Partly it was my health. I'll share with you guys some details. So, like, I've been really slowly chipping away at things, and even I was getting frustrated because you couldn't really tell from the outside. But when I was, I've been getting measured, you know, for body mass index, which is not all that helpful, but body weight percent, body weight, uh, body fat percentage, lean muscle mass, blah blah blah. blah. In about not about a year, yeah, about a year, I've put on uh, what they've measured at a bare minimum of ten or eleven pounds of muscle and um 30 pounds of fat but that's just the beginning like I have a long way to go I did untold damage to myself not really during the pandemic but prior to so like I'm down 30 I'm up 10 on the muscle I've you know things are headed in the right direction but like I fuck I'll be honest I fucking hate the way I look absolutely can't stand it can't stand looking in the mirror hate hate it hate it hate it hate everything that's that like I just cannot believe I let myself go as long as I did. I cannot believe that like, <laughs> you know, I'm not ever saying that like I was a young Brad Pitt, but I used to not, ha- I, I just don't, I don't, I don't like the way I look. I hate the way I look as a matter of fact. And so, um, but who am I going to blame? Like who did this to me? Nobody did this to me. I did this to me. Um, it's nobody's fault, right? It's except my own. That weighs on me a lot. Am I being a good dad? Am I is my child far enough along in her development? That worries me. Um am I saving enough for the future? That worries me. Like am I maximizing my career opportunities? Is showtime going to fire me? Like some of these are real, some of these are not. I guess the big one would say like I'm really happy with the progress I've made. Slow and steady wins the race, you know? It's been a year and it's like a little bit of progress each week, but every week it adds up, you know? Like it's headed in the right direction, but like I just I fucking hate it. I hate it. I hate I hate looking in the mirror. Um, and I don't want to feel that way anymore. And I feel like maybe I'm wrong. You might be able to argue that this is that's the way that you feel. Then the change in physique over time when I get to whatever goal that may be will solve that problem or, or won't. Perhaps you will look at it and you'll say, ah, this is really a broader issue. You know what? It might be. I'd like to test that theory. <laughs> I'd like to test that theory. i like to see what it's like when I'm down to my goal weight, which I'm... Um, yeah, I still got a ways to go. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I still got a long ways to go. You know, uh, if I if if at that point I still feel the way that I feel, then I will do something about it. But um, tired of looking, I'm tired, dude. I've just I don't like being in pictures. You know what I mean? I don't like. Um, I have a job where I'm on video, but I'm always like paranoid about how I look because I've done this to my I've done this to myself. You know, um, and I don't have anybody to blame for it. I would just not like to be this way anymore. So like I spend all my waking hours, I track every calorie, I track every workout, I track every rep, I track every set. I don't know if that's really good long-term, I hope I don't have to keep doing this forever, but I'm just tired of living this way, you know? Tired of it, bro, tired of it. Tired of feeling this way, and by the way, just like the better things get, the better I feel, you know? So that's really the big issue. It's just it's there's a lot of sort of financial pressure based on how expensive things are around here and the more money you make the more you're like, "Oh, I've got to go put it in certain places," you know, and but that's not really it. Mostly it's just you know, am I maximizing my job potential is one, and the other one is like, "Dude, I got to get right with my physical health. I got I got to get right with this." Ortega moves to Dagestan for two years. Is he a champ when he returns? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Ortega is very talented. And I think with two years, you know, just really doing the smash factory thing, could he be good? There's just no denying. Um. I don't think a lack of takedown defense is his issue. I think he is he has one problem I don't know if he can solve which is dude he's at an era of his division where there is not one but two guys there that when it comes to the stand up game they might be so far ahead that it you can't catch them. now I'm not saying that's definitively true but I worry about that a little bit you know Um. so to me it's like could he be better with like Offensive wrestling and defensive wrestling really dialed in. Dude, not a doubt in my mind. Not a doubt. But what are you going to do about that? You know, what are you going to do about the fact that Max and Volk, if the referee is not there, dude, they could kill him? You know, um, that's, you know, because even if he gets better, dude, he showed how much progress did he show in the standup between the Max and then the Chan Song Jung fight? Like light years. Dude, he's talented as shit. Very talented. But you've got two guys at the same time who are like, you know, maybe all-time great is a strong word, but extremely good. Um, that's a problem for him. It's a real one. What we saw from Johnny Walker last week could be a piece of a larger puzzle being assembled. But given the evidence so far, could we say that John Kavanaugh is not at the highest tier of MMA coaches? no. I don't think you could say that yet. I, I'm not one of these guys who t- that was ever necessarily all that high on John. He had some dispute with me on Twitter and then blocked me, which, again, I don't blame him for. Like, Not everyone needs to be for everyone else. When I called Dylan Danis, um, uh, un- I, I did not mean anything by it, but I called Dylan Dennis Connor's coach um, for BJJ. And he was like, no, nah, he's a training partner. I'm like, dude, that fucking guy. In it. I mean, yes, he can be a training partner. I'm quite certain he's much more than that. Including not limited to a corner man, but whatever he got all bitter about it because you have to ask him. Anyway, um, you know I, he's obviously a very uh, he's produced a lot of talented fighters. Uh, is he in the highest tier? I don't know what's what's defining a tier, right? Is it top ten? Is it top twenty? Is it how many fighters you've sent to the big show? Is it how many fighters you sent to the big show plus champions? How many guys you've recruited and then revolution? I mean, like, what are the criteria? We have to have a bit of a broader discussion. Um, and I think with Johnny Walker, obviously that was not all that impressive what he did in terms of the offensive turnaround. But I do think John Kavanaugh is owed, if this is a project and it is in development, we do owe him the patience of um, seeing how that goes, you know? Seeing how that goes. But if Connor eventually retires and the Walker thing doesn't work out, I think what you could say is that he's, quite capable of bringing guys to the big show Um, but perhaps not far beyond that but we need to see we need to be patient and see amanda being officially 2-0 against valentina she would likely ask for a significant raise to risk a third fight the previous two fights weren't enjoyable nor popular in terms of buy rates that's true so would dana refuse the pay increase and the fight never happens Probably. Dude, I don't, this is the thing everyone's like, oh, you got to make Amanda Valentina 3. Well, yeah, dude, everyone wants to see that. Um, Bro, she has no incentive to take it. (laughs) She has like zero incentive to take it. Zero. Um, So I don't know what you're going to do about that. Curious as to what your brother and sister do now that they are out of the restaurant business. I have a lot of experience and was thinking of owning my own one day, but I know it's a grind. Yeah, they fucking hated the restaurant business. They were successful. Like they made money. Not like they weren't rich by any stretch. I think I think they made around actually I think they made less than what I make, but um you know, they did okay. Like they could have kept going, but they closed in March of 2020, y'all. And they had plans to close by like January or so. But you know, they, so they knew it was coming, but um and they were do they they since that I was like sad I was like damn, they're gonna really close the restaurant like wow man this thing was you know it got reviewed by like prominent restaurant critics and it got good write-ups and like um I've never said that I don't know if I ever told you guys this but they developed a friendship with um who's the guy from eastbound and down uh eastbound and down um Danny McBride, they were friends with, they, be, they became friends with Danny McBride, Danny McBride, the guy who plays Kenny Powers, would rent out my family's restaurant for like birthday parties or New Year's or whatever, and you know, they'd clean up, you know, Danny McBride's got a fuck ton of money, they, he would pay it, because he, he lives near that area, so like, I was like, dude, you're going to close all this for what? They didn't do, they have not, since they closed it, there hasn't been one time that I've spoken to them, they've been like, oh, well, you know what, I wish we were kind of doing, nope. <laughs> they were they they look at it like, whew, glad that's over. So uh, my brother is went back to get his, um, I think PhD in math, and wants to become a quant. These are these like sort of people that do like insanely high level math, like math you couldn't even begin to comprehend, to make extraordinary risk assessments for, for. Uh, you can do it for defense contractors, for government agencies, for any of these large scale uh, government private sector operations, or they need extraordinary high level math to figure out uh, risk. I think he wants to do that. My brother was, my brother is, you know, he was a hard act to follow in high school. I'll put it that way. Luckily, we ended up going to two different high schools. Um, so we went to the same one for two years. My freshman, sophomore year, he went for the, his, that was his uh, junior and senior. Um, so we didn't, uh, really have the same teachers, you know, was able to kind of skate that way, but it was like, my brother got 800 on the math, you know, and on his SATs, he got a five and AP Cal as like a junior on the, on the, a, on the calculus BC, not the, a, not the, uh, not, there's two ones. There's calculus AB, AP, and then there's calculus BC, BC is the motor, he got a five on that. Like, um, he got a five in AP stats if, you don't, if you're from Europe You don't know what that means AP is advanced placement And then you can get A grade of a 1, 2, 3, four, 5 um, 3 is passing 4 is good 5 is the highest You can get On like all of them He got 5 All of them He got into like He got into literally Every school he applied Like it was just It was, it was bananas um, My sister Is um, She is doing a Restaurant consulting business And uh, It's going really well So she's out of that But she like Gives people advice On how to do um how to uh, scout locations what your margin should be how much product to order how to establish uh you know uh, you know where, where, the, where the down to things like where should the cash register be in the building and like all, all this stuff all these little details that comes into play when you're opening and running a restaurant so she does that and she has a bunch of private clients um but yeah they don't miss running that restaurant even a little which breaks my heart but it tells you a lot I guess. Luke, I know you're very into strongman stuff, and as a former wrestling fan, I always wondered how Mark Henry stacked up against the guys you follow and talk about. In WWE, he was known as the world's strongest man. Yes, which he won at least one year. Uh, but did he win any official competitions? He sure did. Some people that I've asked who are in the know say that he is legit and not just a wrestling gimmick. Oh, he's the most legit. Hold on one second here, because I got to... Dude, BC loves to text. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, there you go. Uh, he has a big opportunity coming up. All right, yeah, dude. He so Mark Henry is defined by, um. Not just the fact that he was good in strongman competitions, but, you know, these were very limited at the time. They're very different now. But he was good in powerlifting, and he was good, and he made the Olympic uh, weightlifting team. So you have three modes of strength that all require slightly different things, and he was able to do all of them. He was able to do all of them. Uh, So let me pull this up here. So give me a, give me a, okay, so in men's weightlifting. So these are the two events. These are the snatch bar at their shins to overhead, and then in one motion, or you know two motions essentially, but essentially one lift, and then there's a clean and jerk. So get it to your shoulders, and then over your head, right? That's the two. In the Pan American Games, uh, he won gold in 1995. In Strongman, he won the 2002 Arnold Classic, and in powerlifting, he won several national and then international world titles. Also in weightlifting, he also won the national championship in the United States in his weight class for 108 kilos, over and above it, in 93, 94, and 96. Um, yeah, dude. So we're talking about in powerlifting, he won the Arnold's. In weightlifting, multiple-time national champion and Olympian. And then a medalist in those, as well as, I think, in his, I think his powerlifting, his squat was a 953. His deadlift was a 9.03, and his powerlifting total was uh, t- almost 2,400 pounds. Dude, you know, that's ridiculous. Now, they, they've they got his bench press at around 585, uh, and his squat. Actually, they have a squat from an unofficial record, so in the gym. These don't count, so, but on tape, they have him squatting 1,000 pounds. Yeah, dude, strong as balls, strong as balls super super strong. They'd be able to be strong in three modalities of strength in the way that he was is extraordinary. I don't think I've seen anyone do anything like that. I've seen people who could do like they were good at CrossFit and they got into weightlifting or you know gymnastics and then they got into powerlifting or something like that. You see that a little bit, but I've never seen someone who was able to again, you know, strongman back in the day was not what it is today. It's much more competitive now, but still it was tough. I've never seen someone who could lift like that across three modalities. All right. Um, let's see. In light of the Kevin Holland fight, how significant was the clash of heads in the Volk-Ortega fight? See, this is the problem. It didn't look significant, which is the only real basis upon which you can judge anything. And what do I mean by look? Well, was the fighter wobbled? Did he drop? Did it cause a massive cut? Um, did it do something to immediately alter? Did, did, it, did he stumble? Did he look like he was lacking coordination? Like It didn't look like any of those things. And so as a consequence, you're just, you're just saying to yourself, well, what really happened? Well, in the end, what really happened was something quite serious. A nose fracture, maybe, a, certainly an orbital fracture. Like, it was fucking terrible. But they can only make a judgment based on what they can see. And what they could see was that, like, yeah, he was getting, he got hurt, but he didn't, he just kind of kept going. And so that that's the problem with, like, being tough. It's that things that should affect you don't. Like, the argument for... Uh, thing, uh, you, benefits you should get by virtue of like, what had happened from an accidental strike escape you. Um, what happened with Kevin Holland was it was not fair for him to compete under those conditions, given what an uh, unintentional, but in what an illegal strike had done. Um, while it had done a lot in the case of Volkanovsky and Ortega, we couldn't tell that. So he got none of the benefit. I mean, I still think that Volk wins a rematch. I mean, would you pick Ortega in a rematch? I wouldn't. But I do recognize that there is a bit of asymmetry and unfairness to the whole thing. Um... There is one. I believe I see Jared Diamond's Guns, Germs, and Steel in the bookshelf behind you. Are you willing to semi-regularly pluck a book off the shelves to tell us about it? Sure. Sure. On occasion, I'm happy to do that. The one I'm reading now is... uh, I don't really... I'm not recommending this to you unless you care about these kinds of issues. But uh, the Armenians of Aintab is, I think, how you pronounce it. Um, This is a... So, if you guys don't know, there was an Armenian genocide, which the Turkish government doesn't recognize, but it killed up to 2 million Armenians in the slow decay of the Ottoman Empire. And this guy, I don't know how to pronounce his name properly because it's got the the umlaut on it or whatever. Uh, Umit Kurt is this guy's name? He's Turkish. And he actually did some looking into this village, Aintab, and into, like there were no Armenians there after a time and there was no hint of Armenian life. And he actually did some digging and found that There used to be like this incredibly robust Armenian community there that was affecting, in in a good way, like, um, you know, if you have a lot of uh, people of a a particular nationality in your neighborhood or your town or whatever, um, as they begin to bleed into the fabric, assuming that they are people that contribute to society, and I'm assuming that in many cases they are, especially if they're like, you know, immigrant communities... um, that, you know, it will begin to define some of the ways of life there and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it was like, it was embedded into the whole fabric of that village. And then the eradication of them tried to eradicate any trace. And then this guy found that not only were there a bunch of Armenians there in population, but they used to be there in spirit and in practice and in culture and in food and in banking and in everything. And um, it's sort of proof that like, oh, the part of the, what the Turkish government claims well, there weren't that many Armenians living in this area. And he's sort of trying to say, Not only were there a bunch, but they were massively influential. Like, they had a huge part in defining the lives of everyone, not just the Armenian community there, but everyone around them by virtue of how they had integrated and raised up this this place. Um, I don't don't anticipate you guys necessarily need to read that. Okay, um, all right, so I don't want to get this wrong. I'm going to try to make sure I see all of your super chat questions. So let me go here. Let's see if I can't get them. Okay, yes, I do. Look at that. Hey, perfect. Oh, shit, there's a bunch. All right, so let me get to them. Tried BJJ for the first time, uh, Joshua writes. A blue belt then put me in my place and held a choke past tap. Someone says, my. I think you mean my thyroid is cracked. Is this hazing common? Yes, uh, it is quite common. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a thing that should happen. If it keeps happening, you should tell someone about it. But, yeah, it's quite common. Uh, Sufi says, we'd love to smoke a fat dube with you. Well, meet me on the road. We can make that happen. Paulie writes, regarding the now infamous 51-ish viewings, of Vulcan Holloway rather than it being caused to call you a nerd doesn't actually show you're extremely passionate about your job you know I would like to live in a world where it shows that but you know there's a lot of juvenile delinquents in the community who like to make a lot of jokes about. again what am I gonna do I'm gonna stop the internet if people want to make jokes about it make jokes about it like but for the people who are interested in what I'm trying to do I tend to think that they get what they were supposed to get out of it um Someone says, the next documentary needs to be one of you showing the other the hometown. Yeah, BC does DC is what I'm looking forward to doing. Is the final form of an MK Live Tour watch party? I think we want to do all of those, but I don't have any plans for them. Do you think now that Tony could have ever beaten Habib? Now I don't know. I don't. I mean, MMA's crazy. Right, they fought a hundred times. Tony would certainly win a portion of them, but you know, in the one night where it really mattered, I tend to think not. Again, I apologize for Adam. Adam Chambers asked a question about the whole Ariel and Schaub thing. I apologize for not getting to it. I appreciate your donation, but I can't get to it. Uh curious about your height and weight. Well, the weight I want to keep a little bit sicker because I'm still kind of embarrassed about it, even after all the progress. I'm six foot four. Um and I'll put it this way, I'm not far from 300 pounds. I'm not quite, you know, there's, there's a gap, but uh, not far. Do I browse the MK subreddit? I have. I have not recently. We are trying to expand the community, so we'd love more shout-outs. Dude, shouts to the folks at the MK subreddit. Y'all are the best. Every time I look over there, I love everything I see, even when folks are, you know, mad at me for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, dude, shouts to them. We appreciate it. We, we, we... Are delighted to see it I'm delighted to see it I know BC is as well Good for, good for them And uh, for making that And we are, we're humbled and honored That people would do that stuff Even when they take shots Thoughts on Pitbull vacating Just for his brother uh, I'm Gonna have more thoughts on this For tomorrow's MK But I guess what I would say is I understand it There really wasn't a path for him At I, He didn't want that belt anyway I think he got it Because he wanted to beat Chandler Which he did It creates an opportunity for his brother to get a title, however good or bad you might think that might be. Uh, And he's focused on getting revenge, so I I sort of understand it, actually. Jackson writes, Luke, how applicable is Volk's game to strikers generally? Just how tailored is his style for shorter fighters? Applicable. Um, I think elements of it are applicable, but the smoothness with which he's able to juggle the various dimensions of it is not so scalable. Lessons from it, though, are how tailored is it for shorter fighters? A lot of the distance closing stuff is good, but I think anybody could use that. I, I to your answer to your question: di- shorter fighters might be able to uh, benefit more, but certainly not exclusively. And in theory, can someone with a frame like Nikki Holtzkin um, replicate him effectively? Well, Nikki's like a bigger dude and he's longer. Um, and then I also don't know how the weight of the gloves would change things. And then the sport—you mean like for MMA? I tend to think you could take big portions of it, but not replicate it in totality. Luke, how knowledgeable you are about rugby? Very minimally. I'm very much a casual fan. And what do you think of South Africa Springboks retaking the number one rank by beating New Zealand by this past weekend? Dude, they, these are uh, these. They, I love rugby. I'm only a casual fan. I, pre- I don't pretend to know anything other than it brings me joy to watch. Um, I don't have a strong opinion about it. I'm, I have tickets to see the All Blacks against the, uh, the New Zealand team, against the USA October 23rd, just at FedEx Field, not too far from my house. Um, can't wait to see it, but I don't have a strong take on uh, New Zealand versus South Africa, other than I know it's um, a big-ass rivalry. Why do I dislike Barcelona? The city itself is great. The people, the Catalan people are, I have nothing against them. It's just the arrogance of the soccer club and how phony it all is. Mess Caitlin club, go fuck yourself. You're not more than a club, number one. And number two, dude, there were so many people who told themselves in the Messi era, no, 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 I really like Barcelona. No, what you really like uh, is Messi. And you like, you know, when, when Xavi was there and Pep was there and everything. And all the winning and all of this, this hagiography and Dio spelled with the number one and zero in the middle of it. All this shit. Dude, y'all were just getting high off your own supply back then. But now that it came to earth, where are they? Where are these people? You know, where are they? Dude, Real Madrid, I don't know how they're going to do this season. Ronaldo's gone. Benzema is on fire. That's true. But dude, Vinny is hot and cold. Camavinga seems interesting. We'll see how things go. But like, I don't know if they're going to win... They're definitely not going to win Champions League this year. They couldn't beat that fucking Sheriff team. Um, And they may win the title, but Atletico looks pretty good, you know? Suarez is in form uh, for the most part, right? I don't know if they're going to win. But, and, and yes, of course, I like Real Madrid because they're one of the propped up teams that gets to win more often than the other ones. I'll be honest about that. But even with their departure, I'm not going anywhere. Like, Ronaldo left, I'm not. Luke, how has Brian been doing of late? How is he dealing with the hostile takeover at PF Chang's? It seems he lost his CEO spot yesterday. Well, based on the text he just sent me, not about that, but about an opportunity he has coming up, I don't think he's too worried. Uh, Luke, with Islam versus Dan fight, it will be a closer fight than people think. We have never really seen Dan on his back, and he has a good skill set to his plus. This will be Islam's hardest fight to date. I agree. I think Dan, at a bare minimum, win or lose, will make it very competitive. And I think that Islam, if he is not on his P's and Q's, I think Dan has a very good good chance to win. Fury fought dirty in the second fight, regardless of the cheating claims. I mean, there's a little bit of the backhanded jab, which you're not supposed to throw, but like the whole like, oh, he was punching him with an ungloved, or nearly ungloved fist. Thoughts on Squid Games. Yeah, I'm about to the fourth episode. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. If y'all have not seen this, I'm, maybe I'm getting soft in my old age. Probably am. Probably that's a big component of it. Dude, those Korean dramas. You ever watch Korean horror movies? They don't fuck around, man. Their level of gore and attachment to gore is, is not to be questioned or doubted. They are... It's next level. It's next level what they're doing. And they brought in all of it. Plus, it's got a lot of the same themes of... Um, what was the big South Korean movie that made a big splash that we all saw that was really good? Um, anyway, about the unequal portions of society. There's a lot of that in this one. It's a lot. I wonder what's going on in South Korea, why that's such, such a prominent thing that plays into all of their entertainment. Can you share your workout routine? Five by five variation, how many times a week? Yeah, about four to five times a week, as much as my body will let me, which is a big limiting factor. um, I pay someone to do my programming. I was doing my own programming and I didn't like it. So now I got a guy who I pay. Um, He doesn't watch this, so I feel very confident saying I might have to fire him. (laughs) Or not fire him, he's doing a good job. But like, uh, I'm having a hard time recovering because the volume is a lot. And I knew that when I hired him, I needed a bump in um intensity i knew i was ready for it but like this is you know it, you need to be able to go to the gym in such a way where it's not a chore every time where you're like you're looking forward to it and if you're getting burned out on every one because every workout is this is like it's just killing you um you're gonna not last so i kind of i kind of feel like it needs to be dialed back a little bit Um, Thoughts on moving my family from Southern California to Alexandria, Virginia. Wow. Renting out our Cali home to experience something new. Um, Well, Alexandria is quite nice, especially Old Town. Old Town's really nice. You're right by the water. There's tons of restaurants, old cobblestone streets. It's quiet. For the most part, it's safe. Uh, Schools are good. Um, I don't know what your life is like in Southern California enough to say what it would mean to change to Alexandria if you're asking me. Is Alexandria nice? It's quite nice. It can be a little bit expensive because it's close to DC. It's metro accessible. There are a lot of businesses down there, all off King Street and Duke Street, and whatnot. But if you're close to that area, it can provide you a great quality of life. And if you can afford it, it's very very nice. My my wife and I have looked at that area. Um, we've not, you know, everything we've seen has been not the right fit. But um, it's it's great. I I used to work down there. I used to work right off King and like route 1 I used to work there and there was a little um there was this I used to go there once a week there was this little like literally a mom and pop place cat a corner from where we worked and they would make uh made to order uh paninis and they made one that had like pickles and brie in it which I know sounds like a, a pretentious as shit it wasn't expensive it was like 7 8 bucks about what you were going to pay to go to a potbelly and it was <laughs> so good so and there's like there's tons of places to walk and shop and see and relax. Good space for kid. Like, dude, Alexandria is nice. It's nice. You're a big fan of Habib's style. Why do you seem lukewarm on Islam? I'm quite nice. I'm quite high on Islam. To me, Islam has beaten better grapplers. RDA, the exception with grappling. Part of it is he doesn't have the same tenacious ground and pound. He doesn't have the same push doesn't quite have the same intensity of making change he's much more happy to take his time which by the way is not a knock like you can still win that way it's just to me to me habib was a little bit more of a physical force whereas islam is a little bit more slick over time have you seen the sound of metal i've heard it's good i've not seen it i apologize any advice on a breakup? I've been down for the past two days, two months together. I appreciate your advice to help me out. I've been down the past few days. You already, So you were together two months? I mean, if you want me to be serious, I, would, and I don't mean to be demeaning whatsoever. But if you were only together two months, you need to get the fuck up. You dust yourself off a little bit. And you need to go. And um, it's okay to feel sad. Obviously, if it, Prolongs. I I won't change my views if for whatever reason it really affects you, you should talk to somebody. But for the most part, dude, um, I think you will find comfort in the contours of life that you're supposed to have. Getting exercise, hanging out with friends, committing to a hobby, committing to some form of discipline and order and structure. Talk to people you need to talk to about it, including, again, including professionals. If you feel like that would really be over the hump. But sitting around moping, I'll let friends do that for a little while. For a little while. Everyone gets a chance to feel sorry for themselves. It's part of the process. You can't get out of it. But after that, for just a two-month relationship, this is a world of action. Nothing will come to you sitting on your rear end other than rest from other forms of action. Go live life. What will happen to BKFC now that someone has died? Uh, there probably might there might be some legislative scrutiny about him, but I don't. F- it didn't make enough rounds in the mainstream press for me to be worried. Now, if another person dies, that you might just see like congressional legislation come down or something like that. I mean, it would it could be bad, but for now, I don't think much. Last week you mentioned you envied Jack Slack's anonymity. In a way, I understand privacy is so important, though in other ways I think it's really hindered Slack's career. Do people in MMA know him and just keep it cool? I don't know what his relationship is like with other people, but I can just say, for me, the ability to be anonymity, uh, I, I never change my opinion based on the public, but I often have to like be careful about how I deliver it. One, because I want audiences to hear me. I don't want them to, to discourage... Um, you know or be discouraged but the other one is that like I, I still have to say what I have to say but you got to thread certain needles because dude people in this business will just write you off the island for even the modest form of what they perceive to be an infraction and I'm trying to manage you know people I'm not trying to hurt but still trying to get to the heart of the, the matter like dude coaches will get mad at you when you are not complimentary about a, a losing fighter's performance like what am I supposed to do about that I'll be as friendly as I can I'll be as understanding as i can but on some level if it was bad i have to say it's bad uh he doesn't he's not encumbered by any of that you know um someone says massive respect for not taking sides publicly i i hope people can appreciate that two most dominant flyweights this person writes uh valentina and demetrius who wins skill for skill demetrius Someone says, uh, how did I develop my speaking skills and what is your advice to parents with kids in that regard? Thank you very much. I've told the story before. I'll tell it again. I used to have a speech impediment, a bad one. I was just a complete mumbler and could not articulate words or sentences. It's a very easy thing to fix in the sense that um, it doesn't get fixed quickly. But my mom made it a point to do, For we're talking about an hour a week, nothing. Grammar lessons during the course of the week or on the weekend. I know that sounds nerdy, but I did them. Vocabulary exercises, not just words I already knew, but constantly trying to expand. There's all. And then you need to make it a point to speak. You will not get better speaking not speaking. (laughs) You got to do it. Do it at your church. Strike up a conversation with someone at... You're, you know, ask a question at the post office about how, what kind of stamps do you have. Like, just engage. You don't have to have long conversations with them, but one sentence here, one sentence there, a comment here, a comment there. Make a phone call, write an email, read it out loud. Like, if you have a class, deliver a a, a a a presentation publicly. All these things you have to learn to speak. You have to learn how to do it, and that will only come by forcing the muscle memory um, into effect. Thoughts on the upcoming Chucky TV series? Hard pass. Does What if Max versus Volk 3 goes to a draw? Then they do it a fourth time, bitches. Heard you say in the past you feel like Usman Colby would beat Habib. How do you think this fight would go? I think they would just take him down and hold him down. Should it be more accepted, Casper writes, to tap to strikes or quit? Yes. Fighters don't get backlash for tapping to almost harmless choke, but are expected to keep k- taking concussions. I completely agree. It's an incoherent system and there should be more consistency across it, sure. What is Connor's legacy? He starched Aldo being the first champ champ is impressive, but he has zero title defenses and only 3 wins over top 5 opponents. His story is not written, but if you're asking if we've seen the very best and there's really no getting back to what we had before, he will be in some ways a cautionary tale on a bad side, but also it'll be a question of like how you represent dominance. Can you have that hot streak where you do the impossible and then redefine what even it means to have success, which I think he did. Um, but then you can't sustain that. What is the difference between that and what St. Pierre did over time? And you can have these conversations, but um, there you go. Thoughts on Newcastle's FC Saudi takeover? I saw Newcastle fans were excited, but I don't know what to make of it. Bellator has no lightweight champ and their welterweight champ have recently fought at middleweight Is in Bellator's perfect position to create. The 165 and 175 pound division. Do they just put five rounds in their main events? I don't think they're the organization to lead on that effort. How do you think lightweights that fought Habib may have some success against Makachev, having faced a similar style? Yeah, yeah, some. But Makachev's got he's got a lot more foot trips, a lot more uh, positional control, less through ground and pound. someone asking about the stress kind of already got to that you see Chris Tyoney break up a fight due to clash of heads on contender series I did not whose legacy would be hurt the most if they popped positive among athletes um, you know, here's one thing to think about I'm not in any way suggesting that LeBron James is but let's imagine for just an argument for just an argument just as an exercise in thought imagine LeBron James is using now right Different dynamic because it's not combat sports, it's something else. But imagine he was, and imagine this was discovered. One thing you have to think about is when you're asking who has the most to lose, it's not just popular fighters or popular athletes who got very far. It's ones where there's institutions built around them. Like quite literally in the case of LeBron, you would have like the, the schools he has helped build and like these organizations he has founded. In some way, they would provide insulation from the blowback. In other ways, they'd be tied to it. The people like that are the ones that have the most to lose, the ones in which there's not just this halo of invincibility or they have done great things, but the ones where they're tied to these broader causes, broader, they're the face of something, uh, a people, a nation, a cause, a, a moment in time, whatever, those are the ones where you really are like, ooh, this could get bad for them, even though in some ways it would be, they would be protected. All right, I'm going to do a few more of these, and then i got to quit. What I find crazy about middleweight division is if Adesanya does not exist, we might be talking about a Whitaker as a middleweight great. He still is a middleweight great, but I know what you mean. Dude, it's weird. You'll have these guys who can sometimes be all-time greats. Like, dude, Rich Franklin, I said over and over again, Rich Franklin was a very good champion and a great fighter. He just happened to be around when Silva hit... You know. What are you going to do? Kaya Ora from New Zealand, if I'm saying that right. Kia Ora, Kaya Ora. My greatest fear. Um, Not so much not accomplishing my goals, but... Did I let the things that prevent me from getting to my goals, were those stoppable? Like, you know, did I do my homework? Was I as diligent and consistent and... You know, I don't mind it if I tried and don't get someplace. Not that that's great, but I can live with that. What I can't live with is was I too lazy to... That's why I got to get this right, you know? All right, I appreciate everyone who contributed. Let's do this. Thumbs up. Hit subscribe. MK tomorrow, 11 a.m. in the east. Go to youtube.com slash morning combat. I will have some more stuff for you on this channel personally. I appreciate you guys watching. Thank you so much. I have to get out of here. Uh, by the way, people asking, will this go up on podcast? Yes, for some reason, it's not on um, Apple Podcasts. I don't know why. It is on Stitcher. If you're an Android user, it is on Spotify, no matter what, where you are. Um, uh, so the, you can go and find it there. Just put in Luke Thomas Live chat. It should come right up. I will try to make sure I get it to Apple Podcasts before the weekend is over. Okay? All right. I appreciate you guys watching. Until next time.